Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. We're so glad you have joined us for this sermon. You can find all our sermons at our website, holycommunion.net. Child, why have you treated us like this? Listen, your father and I have been worried. We've been looking for you. Wait, <laughs> preteen Jesus? Wow, a lot can happen in a week. What happened to our sweet baby Jesus, the infant, so tender and mild? They do grow up so quickly, but this quickly? Last week, Mike pointed out the messy truth of the Word made flesh. The crying baby, the diaper rash, the countless times of cleaning up spit-up and continuous changing of diapers, the messy emotions of parents, of intense connecting, moments of utter adoration, unconditional self-sacrificing love for this baby that could be held at the same time as exasperation, irritation, and desperation. If you think the word made flesh as an infant is messy, wait, just wait until you encounter the word made flesh in the fragile identity formation of a preteen and teen. The intensity of new emotions that range from deep depression and self-hatred to intense joy and incredible insight. The exhilarating excitement of it all being possible and that incredible feeling of living forever. No fear, no boundaries along with the intense self-consciousness of developing bodies, hormones rolling in, the continuous seeking of your true identity, your inner self in those outer groups. Now that's messy. As some of you know, my priesthood led me into working with teens. I worked as a priest with teens and their parents in camps, youth groups, confirmations, conferences, service projects for almost 15 years by the time I finally had my baby. And I remember looking at him so sweet and mild in my arms, and I remember clearly saying to myself as I held him, you are going to be a teenager. and I want to be this close to you, even then. So, besides setting up the college fund and the therapy fund, I needed help. I needed my own teachers and mentors, rather than just relying on my own familial traditions in order to parent with the long view in mind. This led me to a parent effectiveness course with a great teacher who also taught me the Enneagram, Barbara Whiteside. She wrote an article called Seeing Your Child. And the quote that became like a breath prayer for me was, love the child in front of you, not the one in your mind. Mary and Joseph, they had been looking for Jesus. 
There he was, right in front of them. And their mind's image of their infant, so tender and mild, had been blown away. Jesus was growing up. He was becoming himself. His immersive, probably passionate conversation with the temple teachers was him simply claiming what the angels had told Mary and Joseph and the shepherds. He was living into who he was, acting from his authentic self. Jesus replied, why are you looking for me? Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he said. Love the child in front of you, not the one in your mind. There's looking for someone, and then they're seeing them. We really get caught up in behavior with our young people. We want them to be achievers, be safe, be okay, to fit in. And we come by this from our own experience. We know that how you behave matters to survival. But I have been in churches that default to focusing on how their young people hold their hands for receiving the bread then taking the time to sit with them and ask wonder questions about the experience. I used to say to churches that if we can see our teens for themselves, really see how each semester, each summer, they are changing and becoming, and there is a witness in this of the good news of God in them to teach us new revelation of God working and not insist upon them remaining the child of the Christmas pageant, and greet them, greet them each time as new, then we can really know how to do newcomer ministry. And if we can do newcomer ministry, then we really know what being church is about, which is that we all need not just to be looked for, but to be really seen. Love the person in front of you, not the one in your mind. So here's a couple of things Barbara taught me about really seeing another person. One, that if we're honest, when we encounter someone, especially our own child, we're often looking for our own acceptance and affirmation. And so we are biased by our own need to control the situation out of our own fears and anxieties for our own security and esteem needs. So for instance, with a child, we jump to the assumption and say, my child is just like me, either as a negative or a positive. I know just what they need because I needed that when I was a kid. Or I'm nervous they won't do it right, so I need to give them some advice. Or I need to get this done, so I'll, I need them to, to just tell them uh, what I think they want to hear and get on with it. Or, to broaden it, I really want this person to like me, think I'm cool or smart, so I'll start talking and teaching with authority. But to really look and see a person, most especially our child, 
and see with Christ's eyes. We need to catch ourselves in the act, to take a beat, and to observe ourselves, to notice our preoccupations that keep us from seeing the person clearly. And the noticing of this helps to loosen our mind's eye and gives us room to come from the soul's eye. Second thing is to become curious. And this is really challenging to do with our own kids and ask questions rather than jump into advice, answers, opinions, or punishments. The theologian Paul Tillich says, the first duty of love is to listen. And we start by listening to ourselves, by observing ourselves to clear out the clutter so grace can take over. And to ask, why am I talking right now? Why am I not listening to this person? Why am I tensing up? Why is my mind wandering? Why am I holding my breath? Barbara continued in her article, listening well to another is like a walk in nature. Something slows down inside and we begin to hear the quieter voice trying to get out, just like we hear the chirp of an unfamiliar bird. If we can learn to listen well to our children and we give airtime to all those uncomfortable feelings, we see them. And as they are seen, they can claim their real self. Because the child is feeling listened to and loved and accepted exactly as they are, with all the messiness and mix of feelings that make us human. Loving the person before us rather than the one in our mind takes more time. It's not efficient. It's messy. Mary and Joseph were looking for the child they knew. It would take a little more time for them to see who Jesus really was. So here's a New Year's resolution for us. What if we encountered one another, including our teens and our children, with the same kind of passion Mary and Joseph brought to their search for Jesus? And when we encountered them, we dared to take the time and effort to see the person in front of us. Amen.